Our second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of this morning's sermon is Salt and Light. Salt and Light, in case you would be surprised. Right? <laughs> Last May, The New Yorker ran a short article by Nick Palmgarten about the Hidden Chaplains program at Princeton University. It's an idea that an undergraduate named Kyle Berlin came up with in 2018 in conversation with my colleague Matt Weiner, one of the deans of religious life over at Murray Dodge Hall, just over there, down the street. Hidden Chaplains celebrates staff members on campus who bring moments of joy, kindness, and care to a high-pressure academic community that can often grind people down. One of the celebrated hidden chaplains is Catalina Maldonado Lopez, a member of the dining services team who cheers up stressed out students in her dining hall as she swipes their meal cards. Another hidden chaplain recognized at this year's banquet is Keith Upshur. Keith is a custodian who keeps Murray Dodge Hall running, but he also talks about faith and life with students who come for Juma prayers on Friday afternoon. Berlin describes hidden chaplains as people who offer, quote, quietly glorious acts of caring, end quote. Kyle and Dean Matt's concept of hidden chaplains gets at something I've seen in my own work as a pastor. The summer before my second year of seminary, I interned as a chaplain at St. Vincent Hospital in Indianapolis. A few weeks in, I was the only chaplain on the overnight shift, which meant that any call that came in was for me. My pager went off around midnight, and the call came from the surgery wing. At the nurse's station, the charge nurse explained that a patient was becoming increasingly belligerent toward his care team, and she wanted to know if I would visit him. Somehow, all the moisture in my mouth departed <laughs> and it migrated right to my hairline. I think I took on a pale color as I said, of course, gulp. As I started down the hall toward the patient's room, I felt unsteady and out of my depth. I'd only been doing this for a couple of weeks. Am I really the right person to go in there? Two custodians were mopping the floor between the nurse's station and the patient's room. One of the women whispered to me, come here, baby, it's bad in there. We're going to pray for you. <laughs> she and her fellow chaplain 
put their hands on my shoulder. She began to pray for me, for the nurses offering care, for the distressed patient in that room, for everybody involved in the work of this hospital. Before every shift at St. Vincent, I put on a white lab coat with the word chaplain stitched across the breast pocket, but standing there in the surgery wing hallway at midnight, I felt as if these two women had clothed me with prayer. I felt equipped with new confidence to go into that room using all the tools I was learning to offer pastoral care to this patient. As I walked out toward the nurse's station to check in almost an hour later, the two custodians who had prayed with me were all the way down the hallway. They gave me a brief nod and turned back to their work. Fifteen years later, those two women on the surgery floor of St. Vincent Hospital come to mind when I read Jesus' words, you are the light of the world. Without drawing attention to themselves, they anchored that surgery department in prayer and love. It did not matter if you were a seasoned physician, a stressed out nurse, a difficult patient, a terrified chaplain intern, or a grieving family member. These women understood that they had a job to do as followers of Jesus, making sure that every person was lifted up to God. They were hidden chaplains, offering, as Kyle Berlin said, quietly glorious acts of caring. The conviction that everyone has something meaningful to contribute to God's redemptive work in the world can be found in the teachings of Jesus. Our scripture reading from Matthew for this morning is a section called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' first in-depth teaching to his disciples and the crowds that have sought out his ministry of healing. When Jesus tells everyone gathered around him that they are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, he is doing something new. Jesus is saying that the work of justice and kindness that makes a difference is not the exclusive purview of religious experts or powerful insiders. It's something everybody can get involved in. Jesus' message is for fishermen like Andrew and Peter, James and John. It's for people who are ill and seeking healing, as well as the caregivers who have brought them to see Jesus. When Jesus speaks to them, it's a plural you. It's y'all, so to speak. Y'all matter to God. Y'all are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. All of you have a role to play in God's promised healing of the world. Jesus tells his listeners that they are essential to God's unfolding story of good news, as essential as salt is to a meal or a shining lamp is to a house full of people. It's not a finished or complete description, but the beginning of an invitation to imagine what it means to make the world around us more welcoming, more humane, more just, we grow in this imagination when we learn how to he hear and see God's work through ourselves in our lives, but also through the lives of our neighbors. This summer, Len and I were on our first sabbatical after serving seven years with Princeton Presbyterians and Nassau. Thanks to a generous grant from the Presbyterian Church's Board of Pensions, we were able to travel to Scotland and spend a few days on an island called Iona. 
Before we took a train to the Western Islands, we picked up a book in a shop in Edinburgh that caught my eye with its title. Imagine a country, ideas for a better future. Paging through the introduction, I learned that the editors, Val McDermott and Joe Sharp, an author and a journalist respectively, gathered short essays in 2019 from a wide spectrum of Scottish society to share their ideas about what could make their country better. The rules were simple. Keep the essay brief, only 800 words. No politicians, they get to share their ideas with the people enough. And finally, offer a vision that is hopeful. I flipped to the front page and the epigraph was a quotation from a Scottish poet named Alistair Gray. And he writes, work as if you live in the early days of a better nation. That sold me. I bought the book. The book is filled with the hopes and dreams of about 80 contributors from all walks of Scottish life. There's an essay from a novelist lifting up the importance of elder care. A television writer imagines an openly queer prime minister of an independent Scotland as a role model of tolerance and celebration of human dignity. Some visions are by university students who are already encouraging young people to vote and environmentalists working on responsible reforestation of the highlands. There are pleas for teaching young people Arabic and Chinese not only to thrive abroad, but to acknowledge new neighbors in their communities. Visions of small villages welcoming immigrants and refugees with warmth and artists who aspire to put an instrument in the hands of every child enrolled in school. One of my favorites was a cartoon from a stand-up comedian with the caption, free soup every Friday made by a granny above a smiling old lady with curly hair and glasses holding an enormous pot of stew. I believe that Imagine a Country gets at the spirit behind Jesus' emphasis on each person being a part of God's story. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We have a role to play, a hope to share, a dream of flourishing to work toward. Making our world better is something that cannot be undertaken alone. What if each one of us were able to take the prompt from imagine a country and reframe it as imagine a church? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is interpreting and sometimes reinterpreting his tradition to help us imagine how to live life with God that is deeper and more expansive than we can imagine. If you could pick one thing that would make Christian community and our neighborhoods more loving and more humane, what would it be? Is it rooted in something you're already doing? Do you know what it is yet? Or can you take a moment and imagine it together? In Princeton Presbyterians, the campus ministry I serve, we talk a lot about the Tizé community. It's an ecumenical monastery in France that welcomes young people from all over the world. Their founder, Brother Roger, once wrote, quote, Everyone bears within themselves a great inner theme. Let it sing out again and again. No use looking elsewhere. From it is born a continual creation. 
Maybe you too will find a creative way to be a hidden chaplain for somebody this year. God has given each one of you some great inner theme to share in simple ways. Let it sing out in a hospital hallway with a friend who's sick or in your dormitory with a sweet mate who's having a tough semester. Let it sing out by Nassau's playground door when you volunteer with arm in arm. Whatever it is, we need what God has given you to share with the world. Your gifts are as essential to our life together as salt and light. Amen. Good morning. Uh, today's sermon hymn can be found in the back of your bulletin. Uh, you'll notice that it is a call and response style. Let us worship the Lord. <laughs> 